Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Now we're taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Woo! What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Right. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Back on the boulevard, Thursday, April 20th, as always, here to prove to you there is no such thing as football season. And we are now Spring Ball Boulevard, presented by Believe Network. You see it there in our graphic. Uh, Some big news here today. Zook and I managed to get signed by a podcasting network, and Believe Network is the new home of Spring Ball Boulevard. Uh, I want to thank Zook and Mikey Manziel. Couldn't have done it without them. And this is just a way for us to get more eyeballs on not only the Boulevard, but Spring Ball in general. Thank you to the great team at Believe. More to come with them. But we have an absolutely loaded show for you tonight. Because as you can imagine, Week 10 in the XFL is about to get wild. And I know back in 2020, three years ago, they took the XFL away from us. So just to be able to get to say that, that we're in Week 10 finishing the regular season is pretty incredible. They took away my blue check mark. But let me tell you, even if Stone Cold Steve Austin walked through that door here and stunned me through this beautiful set that we have on Spring Ball Boulevard, I would wake up from a coma knowing that we're going to finish a season of the XFL, which is more than we did in 2020. So just keep that in perspective. We're going to finish a season. And it's an amazing feeling but really the first time since 2001, right? So enjoy it while it lasts, guys. And remember, it's the last week for you to send it on a four-leg parlay. So bet responsibly until at least February 2024, right? So let's bring him in, the producer, director, owner of the humble abode we call Studio Z, and just as big a part of the reason as me as to why we get to be presented by the Believe Network, Chris Zook. Zook, are you aware... That if you win your best bet this week, you are seven and three. I am aware. Putting you in a three-way tiebreaker with Seattle and St. Louis. <laughs> now we haven't figured out the math for how Zook gets in the playoffs, but he's one win away from doing so. I, I do have to give you some flowers here. Tiebreaker Tuesday was a success. Uh, again, if you don't know, about twenty minutes before showtime, I said, Zook, I'm gonna need a graphic for this because I, I can't just talk through it. We need a visual. The visual that he delivered is getting a lot of love on Twitter. We had league sources confirm the scenario that we put out on Tiebreaker Tuesday. So the unflappable Chris Zook back at it with the graphics on short notice. Yo, um, I'm so excited for this weekend. Like it's every game means everything. Not just like who wins and loses either. Like it, just, every matchup, offense, defense even matters. Like yeah. the specialists, the kickers matter more than ever when you're razor thin on point margin. You need special teams. You need these conversions, right? You could technically face a situation, right? And this is crazy at the end of the Seattle Vegas game where as something as little as a one point conversion will keep you in or out of the playoffs. And we are here for it. I cannot wait to sit here and figure all that out. Um, Like I said, all the math has checked out. League sources confirmed it. So thank you to my high school math teacher, Mrs. Hefner. I know I got a C in your class, but we used it for something. <laughs> so uh, we, we used a little bit of algebra to figure these out. Um, if you want to know what exactly gets you in, if you're a St. Louis Battlehawks player, coach, fan, whatever, could be on the other side as well for the Sea Dragons, please follow along at TV on Twitter. We're not going on the road this week for the Boulevard Bowl Tour. We thought it was important to have both Zook and I here so that we could live play-by-play these scenarios for you to keep you updated so you don't have to sit there and do it yourself. So we're going to run it here at Studio Z, and we're going to make sure on Twitter that you have all the info you need. So follow along at TV on Twitter, and they've already taken my check. I promise it's still me. It's not the fake fresh. On tonight's show, a four-pack of games in Week 10. Like Zook said, every single one of them has significance. We're here to break all of them down for you and give you a little bit of information that you may have missed on Tuesday about the playoff picture, talking about the XFL South, too. A lot of people overlooking that scenario a lot simpler between Arlington and San Antonio. Who's going to get the two seed? So we're going to break that down for you as well. Wouldn't be Spring Ball Boulevard 
without our week 10 best bets, there is some value in these scenarios when you think about teams knowing they have to do a certain thing, right? We want to find you the edge there. And our spring ball series as well. Another special guest will be coming up on the show as usual. Drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel. I do want to talk about our PS5 Pick'em for a short second because this is the last week to enter. For nine weeks, we have had a Google form out there in the description where you get to pick four games straight up. No spread, no total. Pick them straight up. A lot of you have been riding with us since week one. And that was a smart thing to do because you were able to get a number of entries if you could do this multiple times. We are here to announce there are people out there who have three entries, and there's a couple of them. So they could get a fourth this week. If you are new to this and you want a chance to win a Sony PlayStation 5 given away before the XFL championship game, please click the link in the description. Make your picks straight up. If you go four for four, you get one entry to win a PS5 that we will draw on a later show. And again, Got some catching up to do if you're just joining this week because there's some people who have three entries. Those of you who know the NBA lottery and how that works, sometimes it doesn't matter. We're going to pick a lottery ball or something out of the hat. That's to be determined, but you're going to have an even shot at it. So even though your odds will be a little less, make sure you join our PS5 giveaway. You need it because when the XFL video game comes out, you're going to be without the next-gen console. (laughs) So you're going to need that. Let's take a jump right into our XFL standings, Zook, and as insignificant as they are because (laughs) there's a lot more that goes into just the records uh, going into Week 10. The D.C. Defenders at 8-1 have locked up home field. They are not playing for anything other than an extra $1,000 in their bonus, which Mikey Manziel pointed out to me. For some of these guys, maybe even more important than they care about the playoffs and all that. You need that 1000 bucks. Money is everything, right? You got to play for the money. And a thousand bucks would get DC to nine and one. Uh, St. Louis and Seattle, we've touched on tiebreaker Tuesday. If both win, what needs to happen? There's a number of scenarios. It could come down to the fourth or even the fifth tiebreaker. Again, go check out the YouTube channel from Tuesday's video where we break all that down. Follow me on Twitter, Maddie Fresh TV. We're going to touch on it a little later in the show. Moving along, Las Vegas is two and seven. In the South Division, Houston has locked up a home playoff game at TD ECU Stadium. They are six and three behind them. The Arlington Renegades at four and five. Now those two teams will play this week. Wade Phillips telling the media that it's a little bit of both. While he definitely wants to play his starters. He also understands the risk in getting his top players injured. So maybe a snap count for the big players on that Houston team. Arlington will not be resting their starters. They still have something to play for San Antonio as well at three and six. If they can pull a miracle over DC and have Arlington lose, They are in the playoffs at four and six for the Renegades. You win, you're in. You lose, you better hope San Antonio lost as well. Orlando is one and eight. That is your XFL standings and your South scenario. What's going to happen this week? Let's jump headfirst right into week 10 of XFL action. One last afternoon in the Battle Dome for St. Louis fans. So we have to ask. Was Kaka, in fact, the law this year? Could have both sides of the debate, right? But while there were ups and downs in this building, remember you had the week four debut against Arlington in front of 35,000. They, they won. To me, the fact of the matter is the dome field advantage was just not enough this year. And it's not the fault of the fans, right? But we have to look at this. Black and white wins and losses. And St. Louis lost two of their biggest home games this season. One last week against Seattle, one against D.C. back in week five. So I thought the home field advantage would be a little better. I have to credit the fans. They were extremely loud. But it may have worked against you because these teams came in ready to play when they played in the Dome, especially Seattle and D.C. So with a win over Orlando, they could kind of turn that around, right? This would be a big win for them to get. They have to win to stay alive to get in the playoffs, and they also have to play really good defense. And when you think about home field advantage, you think about getting loud on third down and things like that, that's going to be very important for that St. Louis defense who has to limit Orlando to as few points as possible for any chance on making the playoffs. 
looking at that offense, the Bruce Gradkowski system was a little bit of a shell of itself against Seattle. 12 was the lowest point total they had this season. It marked A.J. McCarron's lowest passing total since week two, which, ironically enough, Zook was also against Seattle. Almost an identical game for A.J. Back in week two, 186 through the air against Seattle. Last week, 184. So, to me, the bounce back is imminent here, right? It's going to happen. Uh, there's not a more competitive person in this league than A.J. McCarron. He's a winner. And if you want to dispute that, go ahead and pull up Nick Saban's stats off a loss, his college coach. And I can tell you right now, you did not want to be at Alabama practice after the Crimson Tide lost. And they didn't lose much when A.J. was there in T-Town, but in those few games they did, he learned how important it is to win. And that mentality has kind of applied to the Battle Hawks this season. Remember, they have three losses. Week three, they lose to D.C. Week four, they come back, they smack Arlington. Week five, they lose to D.C. They turn around, they play at their best at the whole season at Vegas week six. And they actually followed that one up with a beatdown of Houston, who was favored at home. So I'm confident in the Battle Hawks here, enough to lay the points. Uh, I think they correct the offensive mistakes and really unleash on the Orlando Guardians. They, the Guardians concern me. They have, I think, the worst secondary in the league. Even in that D.C. upset, that, that one lone triumph of the season, they still gave up 300 through the air in that game. They average about 225 a game given up through the air. Marcel Aitman should be in every single one of your DFS lineups this week. He missed a ton of action this year, but since he came back from his injury in week seven, 13 catches, 186 yards, led the team in back-to-back games. You add that, his production coming back into the fold, you add that to guys like Hakeem Butler, Darius Shepard, Austin Prohl, now Gary Jennings starting to emerge. Orlando is not stopping A.J. McCarron in this pass attack. May I remind you, Jack Cohn just threw for 300 yards against the Guardian secondary. Jack Cohn didn't have that in the entire season combined up to this point, it seemed like. So issues there in that secondary. And if you think about it, that, that doesn't add up to me. T. Buck probably lays awake at night wondering if he should suit up back in this secondary because it just ain't working out with the guys he has. And A.J. McCarron will throw it around the yard. Um, Brian Hill, what do we think? MIA last week. Um, Orlando run defense, I would say better than the pass, but this team is still last in the league in sacks and tackles for loss. So if there was ever a better bounce-back spot for a St. Louis offensive front that definitely struggled last time out against Seattle, this is the time for them to band together because Orlando does not have the pass rush that Seattle did. If you watched our Tiebreaker Tuesday portion of the program a couple of days ago, you know that everything we just talked about offensively for St. Louis may be irrelevant because you have to depend on the defense to get in the playoffs. Even if the offense dropped 40, it may not be enough because you're still 20 back of Seattle in points four, and Seattle has the number one offense in the league. So um, what's, that, uh, what's that thing Reggie Northrup always says? You got to kill a mosquito with a sledgehammer. That's the mentality that the St. Louis Battlehawks defense has to have this week. Looking at the injury report, we know this unit has been banged up. Not practicing this week. Defensive backs Nate Maters and Chris Cooper. Linebackers Mike Rose, Silas Kelly. Tim Harris, the corner, back at it this week in limited fashion. Him and John Alexander should be good to go. Um, I talked two weeks ago about how impressed I was with this unit, who has just been like a carousel of guys in and out. They lost... Uh, ben DeLuca early in the season. He was another gamer in that secondary. They, they've still done a pretty good job. And, and this is the first time they'll see Orlando all season. And not just Orlando, but Cody Latimer, who don't forget is back off an injury. And I think a lot of the reason Orlando wasn't able to close that game out in San Antonio with an 11-point lead is because they were missing their best player, who we think is the most NFL-ready player in this entire league. 
It's Cody Latimer who led the XFL in receiving until PZ went off last week while he wasn't able to put up any numbers. So Latimer could give St. Louis fits. He is back from my knowledge. Um, But I think St. Louis will be ready to exploit the major weakness for Orlando, which we know is the offensive line. Quentin Dormady just got killed back there last week by San Antonio. You copy that, you win, and you cover. I am very confident in laying the eight points I got in early. That line has jumped to nine to foreshadow a best bet here. I just feel like a lot of my betting, and I get it, I'm only nine and nine, but any handicapper would tell you this. The bounce back is coming. Excuse me, St. Louis, a very good team against the spread, awful loss. They've done it, like we said, against Arlington. They did it against Vegas. They did it against Houston. After a loss, this team is good. Zook, do you agree? I have a feeling you're going to go St. Louis here because Orlando let you down <laughs> um, a couple of times that you picked them. But do you think they cover, let's say, that the current number is nine? Mm, that's, it's going to be so tough. Um... Orlando's not bad against the spread. Remember that? They're much better than their 1-8 and eight record. I mean, I want them to cover. I want them to score as many points as possible. Right. Uh, this is the one time of the year that I really hope I'm wrong. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, Orlando wins this. It makes it a lot more clear. Right. I, right, exactly. It makes let's Everything get, we did Tuesday is thrown out the window. For nothing. Then you just win if you're Seattle. Right. right. Now, in, this, in the very rare scenario where both these teams lose, St. Louis gets in. Yes. So also important. But we have to remind you what Zook's saying about hoping that St. Louis will hold Orlando, or not hold Orlando, excuse me, Orlando will score as many points as possible in a loss. The reason he's saying that is because the closer Orlando is to zero, the sweatier Zook will be <laughs> going into the Seattle game. 100%. Get far from zero. You need to be in the 20s for sure. Right, because um, this is what this... Not to get into it right away, yeah. but, you know, we need Orlando. I need Orlando to score a ton of points. Yep. So uh, Vegas can outscore him by seven. That's right. That's, That's the points against. Remember, currently, as we are at airtime, St. Louis has 174 points against this season. Seattle has 168. There's the difference. Seven points gets St. Louis to a better spot. So you need to hold Orlando to a certain amount of points if you're St. Louis. I was comfortable saying about 14, I think, is the most, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Mikey Manziel, of course, going with the St. Louis Battle Hawks, and I think you could see a pretty big afternoon here. That is the noon game on ESPN. There's another game on Saturday that won't be as much in the spotlight, unless you're in San Antonio in the Alamo Dome, because you're playing for the playoffs. And it's another Brahma's game on ABC. Stop me if you've heard this before. (laughs) In fact, I think at this point, ABC has become the official network of the San Antonio Brahma's. And how ironic is it that DC actually had to play in San Antonio just to get on ABC? We've been relegated to FX all year, ESPN2. We've been blocked for uh, sitcoms (laughs) in certain games, pickleball was on television, but DC finally back on ABC. It's where you want to be. This is network TV we're talking, right? The mouse. So let's look at the matchup. I said it would be a nice walkthrough for DC to kind of break in that Alamo Dome turf for when they visit there on May 13th. But if they want to do so, they got to get back to the fundamentals here, and that's running the football, right? I understand what's been going on. Defenses have been stacking the box against this rushing attack, taking the run away, trying to make Jordan Tamu win it. And he has. Abram Smith had a nice little three-game run. It started week five where he had 379 yards rushing in three games. He was held to just 27 yards by that stout Arlington front last week. We told you the Renegades did have the top rush defense, and San Antonio, I would say, is a little bit better against the pass, not as effective against the run. Nonetheless, that front seven is still scary. I think you roll with a heavy dose of Rykel Armstead here. The reason being, if Armstead ends up with more carries than Smith, I think 
just based on the fact that Abram Smith has been healthy all season, and he's been a workhorse. So he's been a high volume every down back, and he's stayed healthy. So you don't want to jinx yourself here. You want a little more balance and, and maybe feature Armstead a little more to keep Smith healthy. You're going to need him for the playoff run. Um, the, the quarterbacks, I thought they played pretty well in the rotation. It was enough to get a win against Arlington. De'Eric King looked phenomenal on his first drive. So don't get too caught up in the intersection, interception. Ryan, wind back the tape and you'll see. He played very well on the first drive. He was something like four or six for 65 yards and a score. Obviously, that pick on his next drive is going to be something he ends up regretting. Um, kind of gave Arlington a little bit of life that they shouldn't have had at the end of the game there. But Jordan Tamu threw one too. and He wasn't exactly playing leagues above De'Ara King. Remember, he had a pick to Joe Powell that, that almost went back to the end zone, if not for a penalty. So keep an eye on all this. The, the quarterback depth, I thought, was key for D.C. because it was in a spot where other teams in the XFL simply did not have that luxury of the quarterback depth that D.C. had. Remember, Eric Dungy was a third-string quarterback for the D.C. defenders. He's now moved to the IR. A little bit of a, a gut punch for a, a defender's offense that may face some injuries here. So we wanted to be able to have Dungy. Will not have him. They did sign a quarterback, Jeremy Hickbottom, out of Tennessee State that Reggie Barlow knows uh, from his days there. Now, looking more into this, Lucky Jackson, one away from the XFL lead in touchdowns. He caught his fourth and fifth touchdown passes against Arlington Saturday. That puts him just one back of Hakeem Butler and um, somebody else is tied for the lead. Deontay Burnett, they both have six. So you know Lucky's he's gunning for that lead in XFL touchdowns uh, receiving. You pair Lucky Jackson with Chris Blair and now Josh Hammond. Who has emerged? Whew, nice little three-headed monster. That wide receiver and, and that San Antonio defense will have the task at stopping them. Obviously, some ballers in the secondary between Luke Barku, Tenny Atawusi, Cam Kelly, some of those guys, and, and who I think is probably the best defensive player in the XFL who doesn't get enough credit, linebacker Jordan Williams, who leads the league in solo tackles, combined tackles, TFLs, just an absolute machine in this defense. Delonte Scott, Drew Beasley, studs up front rushing the passer. So it should be a great matchup, right? This D.C. offensive line against a really tough front four and even really a front seven for Jim Herman's Brahmas. Let's flip sides of the ball. The D.C. pass defense, very interesting case because they actually do give up more yards than anybody in the league. That number is like 260, and that's not good enough by any means. But they also have four pick sixes on the season, four pick sixes that each ended up winning them football games. That DJ Swearinger pick ended up turning the entire momentum of that game around in Arlington. They ran the double move with Brandon Arcanado. You saw Bob Stoops on the sideline. Like, you cannot do that against this defense. So it's a little love and hate with the D.C. secondary, right? Giving up a lot of yards, but also creating havoc for quarterbacks. Um Important to look at the injury report here. Dewan Neal, Kentrell Bryce, two guys that both went down against Arlington. And I was a little worried, right? Because I, I know those are really key members of the secondary. And you'd have a lot of depth there that would have to step up. Those guys did eventually end up coming back. As far as practice this week, Dewan Neal practicing with an injured shoulder. Kentrell Bryce has not practiced with a leg. So monitor their status there. The good news for D.C., they're up against the league's worst passing offense. So I think some of the guys that just signed on, Swearinger, Isaiah Johnson, will be able to fill in nicely if, if Kentrell Bryce can't go. Santos Ramirez, another guy who should be good to go, and, and he's been a stud this entire season. Michael Joseph. So hopefully that D.C. pass defense will be able to put something together that is good enough to make a playoff run, and it starts here. Uh, who is the X factor for San Antonio, may you ask? Nick Hawley. Remember, we talk about San Antonio being the worst pass offense in the league. That has absolutely nothing to do with Nick Hawley. He spent most of the season as a Houston roughneck. And in this game, Nick Hawley knows that if he wins and Arlington loses on Sunday, he will get a crack for revenge at the Houston roughnecks 
who cut him. He knows that team inside and out. He's been a fan favorite in H-Town, dating back to XFL 2020. He goes off last week, four catches, 105 yards. So be on the lookout for Nick Hawley. Obviously, I'm rolling with my DC defenders. I think it was a great point Mikey Manziel made to me on the phone about that extra grand. A lot of you are thinking the narrative here is that DC is going to rest the starters. Well, we're not in the NFL, right? This is the XFL where players get an incentive for winning games at $1,000 of a game bonus. They also want every opportunity they possibly can to get more reps on film. I don't think Jordan will be on a snap count. Abram Smith may say a little split action because they have the ability with Armstead. You're going to see the defensive starters play and the offensive line, of course, because you don't have backups. So this, to me, would have been an absolute lock. I am more worried about the San Antonio Brahmas having everything to play for, right? Where DC can just run through the motions, even if they do play their starters. I would be comfortable betting three. It is not a best bet. I almost wish DC had something to play for here, Zook. The reason being, I would have been all over this. This would have been a, a 5X, 10X max play, whatever you call it. There is that element for me where this could get very weird with San Antonio in wounded animal mode. Do you share that sentiment? Is this a stay away for you because of the narrative that's been created? Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about them resting players and not knowing how they're going to go about it. Right. Are they on snap counts? This is something I would personally stay away from. Um, I mean, money line wise. Minus uh, 140, I think we had it at. Like, if you're going to go there, I'd, I'd jump yeah. on a money line or something. It's, it's so interesting because everybody's like, this number should be way more. DC goes from an eight and a half point favorite against Arlington, where they did not cover, to a three point favorite against a worse team, just based on the fact that they have nothing left to play for. We're seeing this in the next game that we end up covering with Houston. I. Well, I, I, I wonder if some of that has to do with. Um... DC's given up a lot of points over the past four Oh, yeah, the weeks. scoring defense has not been great. Uh, so the defense is not as good as we thought, I would say. Um, they're still good. Mm. Don't get me wrong, but they're not as good as everybody was saying. So The numbers have been, yeah, like I said, number eight pass defense in the league, right? Not acceptable. You're not going to win a championship with those numbers. They have to get better in the playoffs, and I think they will. This is just, if you're going to bet this game, Maybe live, right, it is a look for you. Um, you you kind of got to know, right, what's going on and, and how the game is flowing, maybe. Yeah. But I, the sports books are going to be on top of that, right? I think you might, if you're going to do anything, jump on a first half. Right. Like if DC comes out guns blazing and you know right away, Smith is in, Tamu's in, the starting receivers are in, and they're playing like they don't care about any of this that we're talking about, that line's going to jump early. So. We'll see. This is a weird one. I really wish I could bet it. I almost wish DC did have something to play for other than a thousand bucks. This is one where um, you want the game to start out with San Antonio scoring a touchdown. Yeah. Let that line move, right. bet it live. And then, I mean, hope you, that DC's talent, you, they're much more talented. You're going to take DC from there, but yeah. you're going to get a lot of value out of it. So, this defense could cause fits for Jack Cohn. Davin Bellamy, I'm not sure they have anybody that can block him. I mean, they got some players coming. And you know Greg Williams, he likes to blitz. If Jack Cohn can't stay up, we're talking about Paxton Lynch trying to close the game here. So look at this one live. Are you talking about Moonshine? Moonshine. (laughs) Oh, man. So what do we got here, Mikey Manziel? DC? He's been kind of riding the Brahmas a little bit this year, but not willing to take them. If you're backing San Antonio and you're not a Brahmas fan, whew, you got some guts here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the guts to do so. So that is our Saturday games. Make sure you like the video, subscribe to the channel. Again, our PS5 giveaway heating up as we speak. Jump in that description, get your picks in, get an entry to win a PS5. We got the pleasure with sitting down with our player of the game from last week in the DC game, Josh Hammond, who really emerged. I remember watching him in college at Florida, now has emerged in the XFL. 
in spring ball series. Enjoy Josh Hammond, and we'll be back to break down all the games on Sunday and give you our best bets right here on Spring Ball Boulevard. What an afternoon this guy had for the D.C. Defenders, winning the game in walk-off fashion against the Arlington Renegades in Week 9. He is a third-year pro, former three-year starter for the Florida Gators. D.C. receiver Josh Hammond. Josh, thanks for joining us today, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Right off the top, you've been grinding all year. I had a tweet out where I was like, this guy has has watched Lucky Jackson and Chris Blair have their moment and just – Waiting in the wings, right? We knew you were one of the top receivers on this team. How did it feel to go out there and have a day where it was about you for once? Uh, It felt good. Uh, You know, all year, you know, we're not really big on who's getting the ball. You know, whichever way the ball swings, it swings. And, uh, you know, it just happened to swing my way on Sunday. And, um, you know, I was able to make plays and help us come down, come out with a win. I got to ask, what was running through your head in overtime there? Obviously, shootout style. They started to do that in college, but I think that was probably – you were in school maybe before they started to do that in college football. So, with the new rules, what's running through your head knowing, hey, Jordan's probably looking my way here, so I might win yeah. this? Uh, well, I mean, I guess there's nothing really going through my head. It's just kind of just staying in the moment, staying focused on you know my assignment, making sure that we're all on the same page at wide out. And, um, you know, just trying to make plays when the ball comes my way. You know, it's it's kind of simple. Um, going into overtime, we weren't really expecting it. I had already unstrapped my shoulder pads. Uh, but then they had the whole challenge thing and get back on the field. And, you know, so, uh, you know, just being able to go out and make plays. And, uh, you know, when the ball comes my way, make something happen with it. Yeah, I saw Coach Barlow was fired up. I think Greg Williams was halfway to the locker room. And he's yeah. like, hey, we need the defense. Yeah. And and a lot of the fans left. I understand when you're in the stadium, you're right. not seeing what we're seeing on the broadcast, right? Because that's right. all happening on TV. So that's tough. Right. And uh, But how did that feel when you, you scored to win it? I know, obviously, you still got a good reaction from the crowd. Obviously, you've had some great reactions in the swamp in your right. career. W- what did that feel like for you to get your moment as far as walking off knowing that you got you just single-handedly with the rest of your teammates clinched a home playoff game? How did that feel? Right. Uh, no, it definitely felt amazing. You know, our, our crowd is amazing. Uh, we appreciate them coming out, you know, every week, every time we have a home game and showing up and, uh, you know, definitely giving us a home field advantage. Um, so we love going there. We enjoy it. We're super stoked to have this playoff game come back in, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. And, um, you know, just excited to go out there and put on a show for them. If you guys have promised playoff football back in the district, which is really cool to see mm-hmm. going to this week. I want to know what has kind of the approach been in practice. Obviously there's this narrative in the media that, you know, DC has nothing to play for. I, I say you have an extra thousand dollars in your pocket to play for if you win. And there's a lot on the line here, right? It's more yeah. than just, Oh, we got to arrest the starters. Obviously you guys want to get as much film as you can out of this right. thing. What would you say about that? Has the mentality changed at all in practice this week? Uh, no, not at all. Um, we have a 51 man roster. 45 plays so even if we were to try to sit some starters we would only be able to sit six um so that was never a thought uh just based on you know the amount of guys we have it's literally physically impossible um so you know we're just looking at it as a way to go out execute uh try to get some momentum swinging for us as we uh, get ready for our playoff games the following week want to talk a little bit about your time with the Jacksonville Jaguars and what it was like to maybe play in your home state, not too far away from the swamp where you played in college and also in high school. Uh, what was that experience like? And, and obviously recording your first action in the NFL. Uh, it was amazing. You know, my time at Jacksonville was uh, very special to me, uh, being able to be so close to home, able to have my family come visit, you know, at will. And, uh, you know, just being able to interact with some people because a lot of people who are also Gator fans are also Jaguar fans. So being in the city itself, you know, a lot of people will recognize me. And um, I loved it a lot. Uh, I love the city of Jacksonville. I actually bought a house there and everything. So I was super excited to be there. That's awesome. A lot of people might not know your older brother, Frankie, also played in the NFL. Did watching him kind of go through some of the same things that you dealt with in your draft process, do you feel like that better prepared you for kind of navigating the whole uh, NFL draft? 
Uh, 100 percent. I think having him go through everything he went through from college, NFL, draft, you know, his whole process, me watching it as a you know young child coming up, uh, seeing all the things he might have did wrong or the things he did right. I can kind of follow his path and be like, okay, I shouldn't do it this way. I should do it this way because, you know, he kind of messed up going on that path. So um, just having him go through it and then me being able to just follow his footsteps and kind of take the same path, it definitely helped me a lot and put me on the right path. Obviously, the NFL draft coming up. I always felt like guys who came out in your class really dealt with more adversity than a lot of other guys have to. You're in the middle of COVID. It's the worst timing possible. What would you say to the guys that are in the draft class now? Maybe don't have to deal. Well, they definitely don't have to deal with that as much as you did. What would your advice be to maybe like a Florida Gator that's coming out this year and maybe one thing you would have changed or one thing you would have done better in your process? Um. Well, my process was kind of hectic. I didn't really get a shot to do anything, so – you know, I never even got a chance, per se, to, you know, do anything a certain type of way or this way because, you know, COVID hit, you know, mid-February, right. late February. My pro day was in the March. I didn't get a combine invite. So, I basically, I've just been training for everything to kind of get shut down. But um, I would just tell guys to kind of just stay in the moment. Uh, I think a lot of time guys get too worried about, like, you know, I have to run this specific time. I have to jump this way. Uh you know, do this many reps on bench rather than just focusing on what's at what's the task at hand that day. And um, I think if you just stay in the moment and focus on whatever you're doing that day, I think everything will pay off. Obviously, Gator fans super passionate about football. I hope some of them find this interview. What were some of your favorite moments in the swamp and how do they compare to being in the XFL and having that game winning moment? Right. Because that's a pretty big play in your pro career. What are some of your favorites in college that you can remember? Uh, Favorite college career that I think I have two. One of them isn't me. One of them is Hail Mary to Tyree Cleveland, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one was uh that one was kind of rowdy. And then uh yeah, had the walk-off jet sweep at Kentucky uh my senior year. That was kind of dope too. Not as much from a crowd experience because everybody kind of got quiet. Um that's the fun just part, right? <laughs> knowing 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 that the game is over and uh you know, just being able to walk off knowing that you know you kind of sealed the deal for the guys. So both of those on the road, I love that, actually. That's perfect because it is like a chilling thing when you're standing in the – I mean, I'm a Penn State fan. I've seen it a few times. When yeah. you're standing around, you don't want to leave the stadium. Like, I'm uh, sure you guys are looking around, and Tennessee fans are just – same thing with Kentucky fans. But yeah, playing in the SEC is is incredible. I, I want to know, going to the XFL here, have you personally been surprised – by how effectively you guys have been able to throw the ball. Because I came in with the impersonation that Fred Kais had a run first scheme. Mm -hmm. And obviously there was a lot of RPO action and short pass in it, right. but th there was a switch that you guys flipped at some point in the season right. where this became a passing attack. Like this almost yeah. became like the air raid. Like what is the difference between, and what happened in that transition? Uh, I think it was more of just what defenses were giving us. Um, I think a lot of people at the beginning of the year respected our pass game and, you know, allowed us to try to run the ball. And we showed that we could run the ball really well if you let us. And then as we got, you know, on the back end of the year, after we were running the ball kind of crazy, um, you know, everybody's tried to load the box and we had to rely on our pass game. And, you know, it's worked really well for us as well. So I think we're just kind of really balanced on, you know, taking what the defense gives us. Uh, we're never too greedy or anything. We kind of just – you know, go with the floor of the game. And, you know, Coach Kaiser does a good job of, you know, putting us in positions to be successful using, you know, everybody, using both our quarterbacks, all of our wideouts, all of our tight ends, all of our backs, and uh, playing to our skill sets. Absolutely. And you guys in San Antonio this weekend, obviously then back in the district for the playoff game. One more question here for you, Josh. I'm a big Defenders fan. I think that a lot of people have hopped on the bandwagon recently. We had the sellout. 18,000 people plus in that stadium, which is damn near full. What do the DC defenders have to do to win an XFL championship this year? I think we just got to stay focused and uh, continue to keep our eye on the prize. Uh, you know, continue to stay in the moment. You know, we got San Antonio this week and then we'll see how this weekend plays out with, you know, St. Louis and Seattle. And then uh, whichever one of those guys we get to play, you know, stay in the moment for that week. And then from there, you know, all the marbles are on the table at that point and just lock in for two weeks and, um, you know, try to bring this shit back to D.C. Josh Hammond with an excellent game in week nine, looking to keep the momentum rolling into the postseason. Thank you for joining us, man, here on Spring Ball Boulevard. We wish you the best, and I'll be in San Antonio May 13th. We hope you guys are there, 
and we get to uh, right. catch a little bit of confetti out of the air, you and me together. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> hey, appreciate that, Josh. Back here on the boulevard, it is Thursday, April 20th, and now we get into the meat of things. What do I mean by that? Well, when you're sitting around on Sunday, you want to know what's going on, right? Because the Saturday games will be final. You're going to know exactly how many points all these teams need if you're a St. Louis Battlehawks fan. And if you're a Seattle Dragons fan, you're going to find out pretty quickly by watching these games, both of them, what your what your playoff fate is. So without further ado, let's jump right into them here. Sunday slate, Texas Throwdown Part 3. This Renegades Roughnecks battle was born back in XFL 2020. Of course, H-Town currently leading with a 2-0 series lead. And if you think about rivalries for a second, college football, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, all these rivalries, Alabama, Auburn. This is the, the ones that give us goosebumps. We all get them amped for this. Even the NFL, Zook's more of an NFL guy than he is college. Eagles, Cowboys, Packers, Bears, right? Rivalries all across the league. When you think about the XFL and the rivalries, the first thing that comes to mind to me is St. Louis and D.C., right? We had that brawl in week three, punches being thrown, people upset in the press conference after the game, suspensions were levied. You had week five, D.C. coming in, winning the game in the Battle Dome. So that's the one I think of. When you think of a second rivalry, I, I mean, maybe you could say D.C.-Seattle. I don't think one has come to the surface yet other than Rod Woodson against Dean Blandino, which is arguably the biggest rivalry in XFL history. I think that one's almost a WWE storyline. It's so good. But if you look at two teams, this Week 10 has the chance. They've kind of built the foundation between Houston and Arlington being this Texas throwdown. We get a great game in Week 10. They have a chance here to be that really solid XFL South rivalry. I need the Houston Roughnecks to forget for a second about being locked into the one seed and play like they truly give a damn about being, I guess it would be 4-0 against Texas this year. That matters for something, right? There is some pride here. But in order to do that, Brandon Silvers is going to have to outplay Luis Perez, which is no easy task. And does he have it in him? Of course he does, right? He's not been good by any means lately, but we, we can't use that recency bias for Silvers. He did start off the year very well to his credit. At one time, he was an MVP candidate this season. Remember that. This offense was running. He's on an entire different track than Perez, though. Silvers trending down. Perez started slow, now trending up. But this is where you build momentum for the playoffs if you're the Houston Roughnecks. You play like this is your rival and that you're not only playing to win, you're playing to ruin their playoff hopes. You're playing like you want to see San Antonio instead of playing Arlington twice. So there is something to play for here. For me, Houston, they have to find their identity again. I liken it to throwing away a winning lottery ticket and now they got to go fish it out of the trash really is how it feels on offense for me. 6-0 6-0 and against the division would be important. Remember, they beat Orlando twice too. So absolutely everything to play for here. And I understand Wade Phillips coming out, talking about we want to make sure we play to win, but we also don't want to risk injury to our top players. Take from that what you will. What do we know about this matchup? I think you can, you can beat. San Antonio and Vegas by throwing two picks. But if you're Brandon Silvers, you're not going to be able to sneak by Arlington by doing that. Think about this Arlington defense. They've forced a league high 21 takeaways. 21. So you have to win that turnover battle if you're Houston, and they've been prone to some interceptions. The next key for me, Deontay Burnett. Got to win these one-on-ones against Devontae Bosby. Got to give Silvers a chance to get you the ball. Devontae Bosby, by the way, One of the league's best corners, for sure. It's going to be a great matchup. I don't even want to reference the Week 2 game because this is going to be so different. Remember back then we had, what, Drew Plitt starting for Arlington? But in that game, Burnett was held to one catch for four yards. Got to do better. I need to see the running backs involved in the passing game, especially Max Borgie. Such a threat in this air raid. Saw him catch a few wheel routes this year. His yards after catch ability to make people miss in the open field is phenomenal. Got to get the ball to Mad Max. 
And the tight end as well, Garrett Owens, has been incredible developing that connection with Brandon Silvers over the last couple of weeks. Take advantage of Arlington, who's without Josh Hawkins, Jamal Carter, and Donald Payne, who are the three probably best players on their defense, maybe outside of Bosby. So it's very important for Houston to get back to what they know, and that's the air raid. I think Houston can score, let's see, probably three touchdowns at a minimum. Maybe get to like 22, 23, something like that, and be okay here because the defense has just been so damn good. And you you, want to rely on a defensive touchdown, but you really can't, right? I will say this about the Arlington offense. What we witnessed from Luis Perez last week in D.C. was a quarterback who made a statement that said, you're not going to beat us by scoring one or two touchdowns offensively. Like San Antonio was able to beat them before Perez came in by not even scoring an offensive touchdown. Perez is saying, we're not going to roll over and die offensively like we once did. When we get down to the red zone, we're going to punch it in. We're not going to settle for field goals, which has plagued them all season. So Luis Perez, I've been impressed. DC had the privilege of seeing him twice before he came in and played, made a third start against DC as an Arlington renegade. Houston has not seen Luis Perez this season. So how do you prepare for a guy? I think the advantage goes to Luis in this offense there. I know everybody's sitting around right now thinking, oh, Houston plus one, what a steal. Not so fast. Think about it. It's very different. I encourage you to watch the fourth quarter, 17-point comeback for the Renegades. Perez is for real. And it did take him some time to get going against Orlando, but again, that was his first start with the team. He's got two under his belt now. And he may have to shoulder the load, Because Davion Smith has not practiced this week. He's been the bell cow for that Arlington backfield who's already kind of thin. I guess they're going to turn to Letty Brown now. But they've they've had issues with their depth, and they need Davion Smith. Houston Roughnecks, Arlington Renegades. This is a toss-up. Houston can stop Perez, in my opinion, two ways. And it's two of the things they do best. Sacks and picks. S&P. Little salt and pepper for Houston Roughnecks fans. Like I said, they lead the league in both. They maybe get the sacks. I think Perez is going to come out balling. He wants to make the playoffs. I can't believe it. I'm going with the Arlington Renegades here. I think if they meet again, I'm probably going Houston in the playoffs. But I think this is the spot where they capitalize on the momentum and. Houston, can they do all the things that I said about getting that offensive identity back? Zook seems to think so. That much like I think St. Louis will bounce back, you think Houston will kind of bounce back off this four-game lull that they've been having. I do. I really do. I think they have to. They have, they have to have extreme focus and get back on track because you can't go into the playoffs in the slump that they're in right now. Uh, I like them plus one, though, for sure. Yeah, this money line was minus 105, so kind of a pick em, really, either way you look at it. You are getting a point, which I wouldn't be shocked if this did come down to a point. It's just that close, right? This is a great coaching matchup, too. Wade Phillips and Bob Stoops, Whew. that's awesome to see. We saw it back in week two. Again, totally different ball game <laughs> this time around. No John Trey Kirkland for Houston. Uh, very different quarterback situation for Arlington. So throw out what you saw in week two. We did show you highlights of it, but I'm curious to see like what AJ does to control Brandon. Yeah. They just let him sling it all over and that's why they're losing games uh, or making it really close. So what, what adjustment is he going to make? Yeah. Or are they going to make one? Cause at this point, I don't hope so. (laughs) I don't think they have. Well, is the adjustment Cole McDonald? How, how short of a leash is Brandon Silver's on? We know A.J. Smith loves him, right? He's worked with him before this, even. Um, they need to get their identity back, clearly. And Silver's fitting it into triple and double coverage is not it, <laughs> right? This is second straight week he's thrown two picks. Cannot make it a third. I'm telling you right now, they throw two picks, they're losing this game. Arlington will capitalize on their turnovers. They've done it all year. 
Mikey Manziel, he got to go with this boy Perez, right? I know a part of him left, you know, when, when Luis Perez left Vegas, a part of Mikey Manziel fell with it because he, he was really loving Perez. I remember he went to bat for him when Perez was stuffed on the goal line against DC. I think Rod Woodson lost his mind. Well, we were just happy Mikey Manziel wasn't here in Studio Z yet <laughs> because he wrecked some havoc <laughs> seeing that play. Mikey going with his guy, Perez. Interesting to see if he agrees with me that if those two teams meet in the playoffs, will they end up the tables turning with maybe Mike goes Houston in that case? We'll have to see. And the nightcap in Lemon Field. This was our midseason winner, guys, for XFL Game of the Year back in week three. There's been a few more candidates, I would say, since then. We've had some excellent games in the 10 weeks. But when these teams get together, you can expect some real bad blood. Let's put the playoff scenario a little bit aside for a second and just talk about these two teams playing football and not uh, math, (laughs) for lack of a better explanation. So, remember Ben DiNucci? The way he ran down the field, screaming like a grown woman at a Taylor Swift concert? He was screaming. If I'm a Vegas Viper, I don't forget that. That was etched into my memory. It put them to 0-3, and it was a team at that point that were just two plays away from really being 2-1. So that one hurt. The season could have been totally different if Josh Gordon doesn't snatch that out of orbit. It seemed to be all downhill there from Vegas, but enter Jalen McClendon. Different story here. Surrounded by three of the deadliest weapons in the league, John Lovett, Jeff Bidette, Sin Q Sweeting. You add in some veteran presence with Martavis Bryant, Geronimo Allison. Guys have been a little quiet, but still provide that leadership. Sean Price, another one. Been catching some touchdowns. He's a vet. You add all that together, I'm giving you a chance to spoil. Seattle season, more than some people might think. Hoping to be the spoiler rather than the spoiled, Jim Hazlitt and the Seattle Sea Dragons. Head in the clouds after a 30-12 whipping of St. Louis in the Dome. Number one passing offense, most experienced coaching staff by miles. This would lead you to believe, bad matchup for Vegas, right? What are some of Vegas's weaknesses? The secondary has not been great. They've been better last couple of weeks, but full body of work, not so good. And their coaching inexperience, first-time head coach against Jim Hazlitt, who 23 years ago was the NFL head coach of the year. So all the weaknesses the Vipers have, you'd think the Dragons can come in and, and take advantage, and that's why the line is eight and a half. But wait. You might be missing an angle here. And this hit me yesterday. When we bet on any sports, we look at teams, at least I do, and we look for a team that maybe had their best effort all season. And I have some examples for this. Obviously, Seattle going into St. Louis Week 9 was the best game they played all season. Another example, D.C. Week 6, Monday Night Football. They light up Houston. All three facets dominated. What did they do the week after? Fell flat on their face and lost as a 10-point favorite to the Orlando Guardians, who were previously winless. Another example, Houston Roughnecks. Set the record for all-time points in XFL history with 44 against Orlando Week 4. Everybody thought they were the best team in the league. People were coming at my neck for putting D.C. at 1 in the power pole at that point in the season. What happened Week 5? They held scoreless for 59 minutes against the Sea Dragons, played their worst game of the year. So you get the gist, I think. Can Seattle follow up the performance that they had in Week 9 and do enough to cover against the Vegas Vipers here? I don't know. That number is gigantic. So before you lay points with Seattle, remember, they were also 9.5-point favorites against Orlando. Did not cover. This team... Three and four against the spread as a favorite. (laughs) There's more working against them. I know Zook is not liking to hear this. (laughs) Distractions. I would rather be St. Louis and play Saturday. And I think Zook would agree. This is a lot of pressure. Knowing the numbers. And the way that this ESPN broadcast runs. If I'm Harry Douglas. Or if I'm one of the sideline reporters for ESPN. 
I'm going right up to Ben Danucci or Jim Hazlitt. I don't really care. I'm not scared to because you're giving me access. I'm going right up to one of them, and I'm saying, are you guys aware you need X to make the playoffs or your defense needs to give up X to make the playoffs? I'm just going to get the reaction right out. Now, the players or the coaches aren't going to be happy about it, but that's your job. As a sideline reporter, you got to get reaction. So I'm hoping they do that. ESPN may say, eh, you know, you're going to get the coach speak from Jim Hazlitt. He's going to say, we're not worried about that. We just got to go out and win the game. But Ben DiNucci, does he have a comment? Because we're going to know how many points Vegas needs to keep Seattle out of the playoffs. More on that later. What else do we know about this matchup? I don't think Seattle fans realize that there is a very real situation here that you could win this game by double digits. And if your defense doesn't hold, you are not going to the playoffs. Vegas scores 24 or 25 in this game. That may be enough to get St. Louis in. So this is, this is a lot of pressure. And, and I can't express how excited I am to be sitting here and already knowing from our Tuesday show all the tiebreakers and, and on Sunday night watching Chris Zook sweat this out by the number. Everything's going to matter. Game of inches, field goals, one-point conversions. Will June Jones go for three? What will Rod Woodson do? What's going to be his approach? You would think it wouldn't change. That is just business as usual for both teams. Still going to be interesting for us fans to see. Remember, it does not matter how many points Seattle scores here. The only reason that we want to focus on that side of the ball from our standpoint is we are a betting show, and we do want to find you the edge on this 8.5 number. I'm taking the eight and a half. I'm riding Vegas. Let's have a Sunday evening, baby. Maybe they win it outright, Zook. Couple more notes on this game. If Orlando scores in the mid-teens, Houston-Arlington score in the mid-20s and have a back-and-forth game, if Vegas can get to 25 or more like they did in week three, this is going to cause a lot of havoc for Seattle. Jalen McClendon looked the part. Remember, Vegas, more offensive touchdowns than Houston. Last week, still lost that game. Losing the left tackle, Demby, a big blow to the offense. Somebody's going to have to step up and block Tuzar Skipper and block Sharif Miller. One thing I can guarantee you guys, and I know Dylan Mooney's listening, Vegas Vipers social media guy. Tweet this out, Dylan. Rod Woodson is going to have that demon emoji energy going into this week. I know for a fact that he's telling all his guys in the locker room, and he thinks this group is the most talented in the XFL, and they've shown flashes of that. He's telling them, remember when Danucci was screaming down the sideline at Cashman Field right in front of all you? You remember that feeling? Well, now if we score enough points, Ben Danucci can't go to the playoffs and win an XFL championship. Trust me, they're motivated, and they know they can make a mess of this playoff picture. Of course, I'm going with Seattle to win. I don't think they cover Vegas eight and a half way too many points. Do you agree? Zook? It's a lot of points. What would you set the line at inside or outside a touchdown? I think it's five and a half. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, they, they're definitely going to win this game. Right. Definitely. I, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, Vegas is two and seven. One <laughs> so thing they'll I, do something to self-destruct. I want to point out that if you're a Seattle fan and you want to bet on this game, you want to take that under. You want the under. You want to root for. You don't want a conflict of interest. Very little. Yeah. You can't <laughs> like be... Mikey Manziel, who likes to give himself one accidentally and then look back and realize, oh, I can't root for a touchdown here. Right. Because I have DC spread, but I also took the under. So now I'm playing against myself. <laughs> And that's what you'll do here. Yep, because yep. if you're rooting for, if you're a Seattle fan and you're right. rooting for the over, all you're doing is you're, you're asking Vegas to score and we yeah. don't want them to. And you wonder how many Seattle fans are going to be like, all right, we need to go out and score 60. Please, Dean Blandino, do something this year and tell Seattle fans that it really doesn't matter how many they score. They're already in the lead by 20 points. Unless St. Louis, it does, it St. Does. Louis comes out and drops 50, maybe. Right. It matters a little bit. <laughs> Not as much as the defense. It's it's a yeah. it's far fetched that that would come into play. Right, but it does matter a little bit. Let's not say that it doesn't because it does right. a little bit. Mikey Manziel and Chris Zook pitted against each other this week. I'm not sure Mikey will be a tolerable person if 
he knocks you out of the playoffs. I don't he, he think he even cares about winning or losing this game. He's three and seven. He's two and eight. What's the difference? If they knock us out, I'm fully prepared to cut his segment. Because I, I don't even want to hear. I don't want to hear. You heard it here first. It's not coming from me. I'm not the one keeping Manziel off the air. So get off my back. Let's move on. We talked enough about this game. I want to quick remind you of the tiebreaker situation. And you could throw it up on the screen whenever you want to, Zook. Remember, we ran this Tuesday. You can either do this from home or follow along with us. We're going to have everything in real time. The same way Blandino and the boys sit out in that studio in Cali. We're going to be here. Uh, in Studio Z, giving you live tweets on how the tiebreakers are going to work. So follow along at Matty Fresh TV. Remember, we're watching St. Louis Orlando. As that goes final, we are taking Orlando's point total. And again, if you are a Battle Hawks fan, you need as few as possible. Realistically, what is that number? I'm going to say 14 or less. That's the first variable in our formula. We're carrying that on this Sunday. We're watching Houston Arlington. This is also an important game. Matters directly for the XFL South, indirectly for the XFL North. At any point in that game, if Arlington is two better than Orlando, check in a box. Additionally, any point in that game, Houston is six better than Orlando, we're checking a box. Again, I'll have this live for you on Twitter. Battlehawks need both. If one of those doesn't happen, you're going to end up having to be 20 better points in Seattle and not a single Battlehawks fan out there wants to sit through Sunday night and, and hope that they can score 20 more against the number one offense. They both have to check out in the day game. Then it's all up to Vegas in the nightcap. You take the Arlington point total, Vegas has to be two better. Take the Houston point total, Vegas has to be six better. Lastly, the most important one, you take the Orlando points from Saturday, Vegas has to be seven better. Six boxes. All need a check. Battlehawks fans say could cause the law. No, this is the law. If you want to get in the playoffs, you need six things to happen. And they all have to happen. Not five for six, not four for six. Every single one of them. But because the numbers are so low, there's a chance. Because I think the Vegas offense is better than some of these teams, there's a chance. If you didn't get that rewind and watch it again, you want more of the why it works this way, go watch our Tiebreaker Tuesday video, and we'll break it all down for you in 17 minutes. That is on our YouTube channel. Let's roll into week 10 best bets here, Zook, right into it. I foreshadowed mine. I'm laying the points with St. Louis, and I've got Vegas plus eight and a half. And if you're looking at this, you're probably thinking Zook made a mistake on the graphic because how is Mikey Manziel betting DC and I'm betting Vegas? I don't know. It's week 10. Let's have a party. This is a disaster for me because it's all I'm going to hear about. You ruined it for Vegas. You shouldn't have ever bet them. And then I'm going to point the finger back at him like Spider-Man in, the, in that meme and say, no, you bet DC. You ruined it for me. What have we done? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> should we just switch it now and I should bet DC and let him bet Vegas? Um, Who are you taking, Zook? You already uh, kind of told us. Yeah, I already told you. I'm taking Houston plus one. Long John oh. Silvers, baby. Let's have some fish and more. <laughs> I don't know. Really, who cares what we're doing? I'm nine and nine. Good job. You're six and three. Like I said, get to seven and three. Maybe you'll be like your dragons. I got to get above 500, right? We have some playoffs left. But this is the last week that you really have four games to bet a parlay. So let's go right into Piper's parlay. Zook. What are we doing here on um, Piper's? Piper, she, she actually perked her head up in studio. And you might have heard a little bit from Piper earlier. That was, a, that was like a pregame speech for us. She let us hear it, right? She needs to hit a parlay. This is the last chance. I don't know if we're going to do a playoff parlay for Piper. It's up to her. DC minus three. Wow, another week of, of tail and Mike. St. Louis money line. Vegas plus eight and a half thoughts on Piper this week plus 365. Um, I'm not happy that my dog is fading me. <laughs> She's fading you, but even you said, and she made it here. She might've heard it. This is a big number, very big number. And you've been good at calling that. You also said Orlando was too big of a number when they were nine and a half point dogs against Seattle. A realistic fan here is Chris Zuck, right? He knows. Seattle ain't going out and winning by 40, right? Although he did say that they were going to do that against DC. <laughs> no, I said they were going to put up 40. Okay, fair There's enough. a difference. You notice you're not hearing Zook saying they're going to blow him out the way they did St. Louis. Keep I'm, that in mind. I'm trying to stay away from any jinx that I could possibly put on my team. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I think you're good. I think the jinx is what Mike and I just did to each other. What we should do so. is we should be live streaming me screaming at the TV on Sunday. Yeah. But 
can't keep it PG, so we're not going to do that. I may have helped you out by betting Vegas. That's how bad it's been for me the last couple weeks. It may be a blowout. <laughs> Who knows? Spring Ball Boulevard presented by Believe Network. Again, that's an exciting announcement for us to make. We have a new home for the YouTube live show, for the podcast, for all things Spring Ball Boulevard. We're still here. We're going to be the same goofballs we are every Monday and Thursday night for the remainder of the XFL season. And we may have a few things of bonus content that are coming up for you guys. Of course, we're going to still have the Freshie Awards. We got to give out the, the full season awards. We did the midseason honors. But more from our partnership with Believe Network coming up in future shows. For now, we are just happy to announce it. For Mikey Manziel, Chris Zook in the control room, I am Matty Fresh. Let's have a ball week 10. Follow me on Twitter. I know I don't got a blue check mark anymore, so I need it more than ever. Please follow me on Twitter so that you know exactly how many points your team needs to score or give up to make the playoffs. For now... Just remember, we're reaching the end here, and there is no such thing as football season. Enjoy, guys. Take it easy.